0: It's a sensitive, delicate deal, dragging brand new songs out of the sky. Trading ideas, accepting some, storing others in the maybe-later bag, moving on and along with hardly a plan. During the Zep years, I never imagined a full-scale album project without the other guys, and even less the idea of new writing partners. But then, Since 1981, I've enjoyed many amazing, exciting musicians in the sharing, in the writing, in production and engineering. Men and women who encouraged and enlightened, introducing me to crazy curves I could never have imagined. For this podcast, I'm going to be picking out some songs from here and there along the way, mixing constant shifts in sound and intention from across this long, old time. There's a story in all of them.
1: I'm Robert Plant and this is Digging Deep. Hello and welcome to Digging Deep with Robert Plant, Episode 9. My name is Matt Everett. Thank you very much for listening. So the track that Robert has chosen for this episode is a beautiful song from one of the most famous rock albums of all time. In fact, it's more than just... Rock album. That's partially because this album embraced elements of acoustic and folk music and, in its lyrics, traditional storytelling, of which this song is a great example. It's also the only song by the band in question to feature a guest vocalist alongside Robert.
0: Of Lighty took her bow, and then she turned to gold. Prince of peace, embrace the clue, cool, and walk the night alone.
1: Ooh, in the dark night, this episode we're tackling the Battle of Evermore from Led Zeppel or Led Z four or However, you're supposed to describe it, the rooms record. I never quite know what to say.
0: I don't either. Um, um, I, I don't know. It's just, we, we had so much uh, in those days in Zeppelin. There was so much of a deal. In fact, it becomes almost like a kind of spinal tap thing where sometimes you can't put the record out, even though you've finished it, because you haven't got the artwork right. And then are you going to put the name on the album cover? Are you kidding? The name of the band on the album (laughs) cover that's far too corporate, but of course, we want everybody to to know about it and buy it and sell it and and hate it and love it and all that. So, yeah, I don't know what it's called. The Four Symbols is sometimes what it's called. Here we have Battle of Evermore from the album Led Zeppelin, Four Symbols, November 1971.
1: Why are we focusing on Battle of Evermore then? Why have you chosen this song?
0: I've chosen this song because I want to, to if I'm going to talk about music of my time from start to finish, more or less, from the beginnings right up to now, then I'd like to think that, um, I'd like to sort of illustrate the dynamics of where things come and go and how extreme these dynamics are musically. Um, And of course, Zeppelin IV was, well, you know, following the the Zeppelin III, where Jimmy and I spent quite a lot of time, up in Snowdonia, looking for the, what, um, Dan from the Black Keys, or, all these people say, it's the, it's the difficult third album, but it's not, it's the difficult every album. Um, so the Mumford struggle with the third one, then the fourth one, and, and so, we were very, very fortunate in, in the Zeppelin camp, because, there was a lot of, uh, amazing, variety of, stylistic, influence in everybody's play. so, uh, Battle of Evermore, as just as an instrumental piece, was beautiful, you know, um, and it was also the way it, the way it sounded. It was, it had some kind of essence of heralding, of drawing people together, of of um, summoning a mindset, if you like. And that sounds insane. So, but the Battle of Evermore is a sort of almost a sort of uh, an adventure in some dark place once upon a time where the people are called together there's a sort of some kind of fanfare so you have two parts of the story you have the, the fact of the the impending sort of travesty on the one hand and on the other hand you have this call to unity and as a song i mean i suppose really it's a great moment but i'd started to write it so that you had a a section a that that told the story of the the would-be disaster and then i had a section b which was the triumph and the rallying and i tried to sing them both and the, the uh it was very very insane idea obviously i could drop all the Section A vocals in, and then I could do uh, another pass and put the answers or the compliments or the. Um, but it's first of all, it didn't sound right in one voice, in one pitch, and uh, and second of all, it might be a little interesting to consider that that at least Jimmy and I were running side-by-side with the incredible string band and with uh, Roy Harper and with the Straubs and with Fairport Convention, who were really something else back then. Uh, And they still are. uh, As members of the Licensed Fiddlers Association now, they make a really good job of uh, having red faces and playing... (laughs) diddly diddly dee music but I'd love them to death but at that time they had Richard Thompson and they had Sandy and uh and Swarbrick and uh yeah Dave Mattox it was just and Simon and it was insanely good music and um at times there was with Trevor Lucas and Fotheringay, there was stuff going on there and there was a great attraction for and a draw for me towards music of a rural kind with a rural story. Having worked recently with Seth Lake- Lakeman to great, with a great result, for both for all of us really, it was a real melding of of style and spirit. It's interesting to see that Seth goes back to his continued rise in popularity and success, and and his songwriting is growing more and more. Uh, a bit like Liza Carthy and so on, and Martin and so on and Shirley Collins, and all these great singers, June Tabor, um, Maddie Pryor, everybody's singing about instances in history, or circumstances, or um, in the industrial north, or there's all these sort of amazing kind of pictures of a life in turmoil quite often. So in the way, Battle of Evermore is a little bit like something from Legion Leaf, you know, from the Fairport thing about uh, Lord Donald's been up to no good and the gardeners come through the window and, except for I, I, spending all my time really in the Welsh, in the Cambrian mountains, I always felt a sort of, there was unfinished business there and there was still a rub going on between two different tribes of people you know so i felt that and i felt lyrically i had to write something that would you know get it get it out um very lucky really because you can 48 years later or whatever it is go well yeah that was uh louis lewai part two or whatever it was but sometimes it i i think we really hit something a vein of something really very very special and um And that was one of those songs where the story, the fable, the the night before some impending doom was almost averted by the spirit of the people.
1: Feel good and bad, know. her voice is beautiful yes yeah, it? it's, a, it's a remarkable it's an instrument isn't it yeah
0: well if you listen to uh when she was with For- Fotheringay, there's an amazing clip on youtube of John the Gun from the beat club in Germany, 1970, and it is probably one of the most amazing displays of of beauty and music. Very sparing and very, very beautiful. It's incredible. Her voice was great, and and I could go out with her for the night and have the wildest, greatest, ch- most charming time together we um i've seen a photograph of us when we were really happening and we only cut one song together but i the it's a photograph when we we were both voted number 1 british vocalists in the melody maker and we're just sitting somewhere in a heap and we you know and i thought the year before it was ember engelbert humperdink and Petula clark so something had happened and uh <laughs> I don't know whether it was for the better, uh, but yeah, we were. it was good. And you know, that whole Fairport scene and that the whole deal of so many artists who lean back um, into the songs of Britain, it, it's something else. So you maybe in a hundred years time, if anybody ever hears that, they go, oh, it must've been tough in the 20th century. Listen to that. Throw down your plough and hoe.
1: I just like as well. There's only ever been one other vocalist on a Zep recording, and mm. she's the one. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, and you returned to it. You performed it with Alison Krauss that track, and yeah. you did it with Christina Donohoe as well. Mm. So it's it's got life.
0: Yeah. Well, Cropredy Festival. Dave Pegg runs Fairport Cropredy Festival. He asked me to tell as many people as I can. Uh, I fear this may come out after the event. But, I mean, this year, um, Sandy's daughter's coming from America and um, it's going to be the first time she's been amongst uh, her mom's old comrades and chums. It's like an old folks home for folkies. Old folks is, yeah. But it's a beautiful song and it was good and and, uh, the mixing and the engineering, the production of it... Great, it's really good.
1: That was Digging Deep with Robert Plant, episode nine. If you enjoyed it, the rest of the series thus far is up on your podcast provider, which is where you'll also be able to hear the next episode. So hit subscribe so you don't miss it. And this Digging Deep podcast has inspired Robert to release a new limited edition box set. It's coming out on Robert's own Esperanza label and it's also called Digging Deep. It features eight seven-inch singles and features tracks from each of Robert's solo albums, including hit singles, rarities... And B-sides. this is the first time the remastered versions of these tunes has ever been made available on vinyl and they come in this bespoke hardback book format including the original 7-inch artwork. It's a thing of beauty. And that's coming out on Friday the 13th of December. You can pre-order it right now at robertplant.com. We'll see you for the next episode soon where we will be tackling another song from Robert's incredible back catalogue. Until then, I've been Matt Everett. Thanks for listening. This has been a Cup and Nuzzle production.